Hey, I'm Andy. I'm Andy. And you're listening to the HMO Podcast. Over 10 years ago, I set myself the challenge of building my own property portfolio. And what began as a short-term investment plan soon became a long-term commitment to change the way young people live together. I've now built several successful businesses. I've raised millions of pounds of investment and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice and everything else you need to know to start, scale and systemize your very own HMO portfolio. Now. Would you like to be in the position where you always have the finance to buy the properties that you want? Would you like to remove the headache of having to figure out where the cash for the next project or the next refurb is going to come from? Would you like to know exactly how you're going to scale your business and buy the next property and the next property and the next property? Well, stick with me because in this episode, we're going to talk about the four pillars to funding in your HMO property business or portfolio. We're going to talk about what they are and we're going to talk about how you can master them to build the portfolio that you want and remove the headache of having to find cash every time you want to buy the next property. If that sounds good to you, if that's what you would like to achieve, then stay with me because that is exactly what we're going to be tackling in today's instalment of the HMO podcast. Hey guys, it's Andy here. We're going to be getting back to the podcast in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you very quickly about the HMO Roadmap. Now, if you're serious about replacing your income, or perhaps you've already got a HMO portfolio that you want to scale up, then the HMO Roadmap really is your one-stop shop. Inside the Roadmap, you'll find a full 60-lesson course delivered by me, teaching you how to find more deals, how to fund more deals and raise private finance, how to refurbish great properties, how to fill them with great tenants that stay for longer, and how to manage your properties and tenants for the future. We've also got guest workshops added every single month. We've got new videos added every single week about all sorts of topics. We've got downloadable resources, cheat sheets and swipe files to help you. We've got case studies from guests and community members who are doing incredible projects that you can learn from. And we've also built an application just for you that allows you to appraise and evaluate your deals, stack them side by side and track the key metrics that are most important to you. To find out more, head to the hmoroadmap.co.uk now and come and join our incredible community of HMO property investors. Okay, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So we're going to talk about the four pillars of funding that you must master if you want to scale your HMO portfolio. Now, I talked about these in great detail inside the HMO roadmap and There's quite simply too much detail to go into in this podcast episode. It would be impossible for me to put all of it into a podcast episode. So there is a resource inside the roadmap. There's a lesson on each one of these pillars for you to tackle, to digest, to really help you master the skill. Now, of course, that's a cheeky plug for the roadmap, but you don't have to go simply to the roadmap. You will find other information out there. And if you put the time and sweat into figuring this stuff out, then you really can master this. You really can get yourself into a position where funding for all of your projects isn't an issue. It'll just be finding the deals. It'll be systems. It'll be processes. It will not be finance. So we're going to talk about four different pillars. The first one we're going to talk about is knowing your numbers. We're going to get into some detail about what that really means, how to actually evaluate deals and analyze the deals that we're looking at. We're going to talk about private finance, what that means, and some of the ways that we can do it. We're going to talk about recycling capital from your deals, 
managing expectations, how to do that. And we're also going to talk about HMO mortgages and understanding the principles behind HMO mortgages, being prepared and having the right people on your team, because ultimately the banks are going to give you the majority of the funding that you need. So I don't think we're talking about mortgages enough. I don't think we're talking about the importance of them enough. And we're going to tackle that in today's episode as well. So I'm going to kick us off by talking about knowing your numbers. Evaluation. We need to appraise our deals. We need to really and thoroughly understand what our projects, what our deals, what our HMO properties look like. We need to understand the maths on the paper. Now, HMO property investment isn't all about spreadsheets. It's just not. But a big part of it is about spreadsheets. The numbers don't lie. Of course, the numbers are only as good as the information that we plug into them. So we have to know that bit. We have to be incredibly accurate and consistent with that. But ultimately, the output of a spreadsheet, or if you're using the MyHMOs app inside the roadmap, then that will essentially tell us what the performance of a deal is going to look like. Now, not only do we need to be able to do that to actually construct an appraisal, to do an evaluation, we need to be able to interpret what that means. And that's the bit that most people struggle with. Most people don't understand what the information, what the data is really saying about that deal. Now, in today's episode, we're not going to go into all of the detail about how to do appraisals, how to do evaluations on HMO deals. That's not the purpose of this episode. The purpose of this episode is just to highlight where this fits in with having an ability to create cash, to be able to create equity and recycle it through deals and continually be in a position to buy the next project, because that's what scale is. It's being able to go from one project to the next, to the next, to the next. And it's the way that these pillars work together to hold up your business to hold up the funding objectives and the funding strategy that's really so crucial. So we're not going to go into the details. We're not going to teach you in this podcast episode about how to figure out net yields and gross yields and exactly what all the differences are and what return of capital is and stress testing deals. That's all there inside the HMO roadmap in detail. And you do need to know the detail of exactly how to do it. But what I am saying is, This is crucial and you do need to know how to evaluate deals. So if there's any part of you that doesn't understand the difference, for example, between net yields and gross yields or return on capital or the relationship between net yields and return on capital, why you can influence the return on capital at the expense of a net yield. And actually, while you might get more capital out of your deal, you might make it more risky. If you don't quite understand all of these concepts and what good benchmarks are for deals. You need to spend some more time figuring this out and really learning it. These are principles, basic principles of good property investment. And there is a lot to get your head around, but once you have, it becomes very mechanical. Once you know how to use a tool, either a spreadsheet or an application like the MyHMO app, you'll be able to do this time and time again, and then you'll be able to get consistent results. Now, I said earlier that The data that comes out of it is only as good as the data that goes into it. You need to be able to input data such as, for example, the rents that you're going to be able to achieve. You need to make assumptions on the occupancy. Without that assumption, you don't know how much you're able to earn from a property on any given month or across the year. So you need to be able to input sensible occupancy predictions. I will often say to people, if you're proposing to buy a professional, that then Stacking the deal up and seeing how it works at around 85% occupancy is a really good idea. Hopefully you get more and it's okay to see what it looks like at 90% and 95%. But I wouldn't buy it based on that. 
and buy it based on it working at 85%, okay? And it's the same for different factors as well. You need to make assumptions on bills. How much are you going to input for your bills? What are your bills going to cost on any particular property? Are you covering gas and water and electricity? Is Wi-Fi going to be included? What will the council tax be? Is council tax included or is it a student let? All of this sort of stuff needs to be in there. You also need to be able to stack a deal, to be able to really analyse and appraise a deal, to evaluate a deal. You need to know what the refurb costs are going to be. And of course, that needs a certain degree of accuracy. Now, before you've actually bought a property, it is pretty difficult, to be fair, to actually know to you know the nth degree exactly what the project is going to cost. But you need to be really good at it. You need to be pretty close. Otherwise, you're just guessing. If you buy that property, if you buy that deal based on an assumption of the refurb cost, but actually you're out by 50% on your refurb cost, then your deal's going to be a mile out. And if you don't have the confidence to do that, then you need to spend more time learning about the refurb costs, getting more quotes, getting more estimates, understanding the cost of materials, understanding things like amenity standards and sizes and what you need to do to a house to make it habitable and to make it a good product that's attractive and well-designed that people really want to live in and will attract the rents that you are inputting into the spreadsheet. So all of this stuff is part of knowing your numbers. And then, of course, I said you need to know how to interpret this information. So let's say, for example, the gross yield at the back end of a deal analysis says 12%, and the net yield says 8%, and the return on capital says 15%. What does this all really mean? Well, we need to figure this out. And if we don't know the answer to that, then we definitely, definitely, definitely need to spend some more time researching and understanding investment metrics. The truth is, I can't tell you what's good and what's bad. We all, as investors, have different criteria, different investment criteria, different yields that are acceptable to us. For me, I'm happy to accept slightly lower yields because I prefer to buy for rental confidence. I like to know that the bit that doesn't sit on the spreadsheet is the strongest. That's the rental confidence, the fact that my properties and rooms will rent year after year after year after year. But to do that, I've got to buy in really prime areas and the property values are more expensive there for obvious reasons. And that means my yields aren't quite so good. And that means the properties are really, really competitive to buy. And that means that prices are pushed up and there isn't as much opportunity to add value. So it's difficult to extract as much cash. So often the deals I buy don't allow me to recycle huge amounts of capital. Now, that might not be a good deal for you, but it can be a really good deal for me. A good deal for you might need to have 25% return on capital. It might need 10% net yield and a 13% gross yield. And maybe you're happy to accept that the rental confidence isn't quite as high. That's absolutely fine. So interpreting that and understanding how it relates to your goals, your objective, what you actually want to achieve out of building your portfolio of business is the key thing here. But it's essential to understand what these metrics mean. It's essential to understand how they relate to one another. And it really is essential to understand what they're telling you about the performance of your deal. And remember, and if you're not already aware of this, this really does and should ring alarm bells. But if you can see on the spreadsheet that the return on the capital employed is 25%, but the net yield is, let's say, for example, 5%, that deal is at risk. There's a real risk here that this deal might not make money if interest rates go up. Now, for me, that carries a huge amount of risk. And you really need to understand what that means. You need to be able to carry that risk. You need to have an action plan 
in a worst case scenario. You need to understand how a mortgage lender will interpret that and how a potential investor will interpret that as well. What happens if your cost for utilities and bills go up? All of a sudden you lose another point from the net yield. So all of this stuff needs to be understood. You really need to be able to evaluate your decisions about buying things based on this sort of information. So knowing your numbers is key and it is the first pillar to getting yourself into a position where you can master the funding elements of your business and actually scale your HMO portfolio or business. The second pillar we're going to talk about today is private finance. Now, raising private finance is an incredibly powerful way to scale your business almost infinitely. The truth is there is an abundance of cash out there waiting for you and people like you and I to come up with good projects that they can invest in safely that offer good returns. Now, There are compliance pieces that you need to get your head around. If that's new to you, then you really do need to go and find out more about that. PS13.3, sophisticated investments and that sort of stuff. There are regulations set out by the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, that regulate what we can and can't do or can and can't say. And you need to toe the line. You need to be compliant. And it's important in our industry that we're doing that and we're doing it in the right way. But private finance is a great way to scale your business up. And there are different ways to use that finance. Understanding how to use that finance, understanding the difference between debt and equity finance, understanding how you can combine the two, understanding JVs, joint ventures and partnerships and different ways of structuring deals is absolutely crucial. And if you understand that stuff, it gives you a huge number of options. It gives you a great opportunity to look at deals in different ways and find ways to sidestep problems that initially look like non-starters. You might not think that you can get a deal done simply because you don't have the cash in place or you don't have the structure in place. But if you know this stuff and you can be more creative, then in my experience, there's almost always a solution to the problem. There are lots of people out there looking to lend their money to you. So having things like a fundraising objective in place, building profile and authority, putting yourself on the shelf and understanding that raising private finance isn't about going to find investors. It's actually about getting into a position where investors can find you. It's a different way of thinking, but you need to consistently do the right things. You need to put yourself in the right places, in the right way. You need to say the right things and show the right stuff. You need to have the right information at hand. You need a brand and you need a profile. You need credibility. But there are different ways to communicate all of this. But if you understand this and you master it, then again, It's another pillar of the funding component that'll allow you to scale your HMO portfolio or business infinitely. Now, this can be an overwhelming one for people. And if you're at the beginning of your journey or at the early start of your journey, building a HMO portfolio business, then perhaps you're lacking the experience that you think you need to do this, to go and raise private investment. But honestly, this isn't all about having tons of experience and credibility in doing it already. If that was the case, then no one would ever get anywhere. Actually, people invest in people. So if you can demonstrate you're the right investment partner for somebody, that is usually enough. You can leverage and lean on skills and experience and credibility you have in other areas of your life. Perhaps you have a background in accounting or surveying or even a non-property related profession. Perhaps you come from something completely different like medicine or another professional role like sales or marketing. And There's a huge amount that you can bring to the table here. And that might be one of the reasons why people are interested in working with you. Of course, you'll need to show that you know what you're talking about when it comes to the deals. And of course, that means knowing your numbers, the first pillar. But private finance and mastering the ability to raise 
Private finance is absolutely key. I promise it's not as difficult as most people think. And if you do master this, then you really will open so many more doors and you'll be able to buy many, 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 many more properties and you'll be able to do it much more quickly and much easier. The third pillar that I want to talk about today is recycling capital. Now, I don't think we talk about this enough in the context of scaling our businesses, raising cash and having funding at hand. It's often a priority of what we want to do, but I don't think for many people it's really forecasted in as an absolute priority. And I don't think the relationship between how this can support private finance that you can raise and other elements of understanding the numbers really works. So recycling capital is critical to a business that needs to regenerate cash. If you're continually reliant on recycling capital to pay debt down, that's absolutely fine as long as it's allowing you to scale up your portfolio. But if you're borrowing lots of finance on a debt basis, you're paying people an interest rate, then you've got to be able to pay those investors back. And you've got to ask yourself the question, how am I going to do this? This has all got to be part of the plan. Now, this can be done in a number of ways. First of all, you can find projects where you can genuinely add value. Look for projects where you can go out the back and extend, where you can go up at the side, where you can add parking at the front, where you can go into the loft, where you can add dormers, where you can add square footage. And also look for properties where you can add to the aesthetic value of it. Bathrooms and kitchens are typically where you can add value in a property. But don't be fooled into thinking that you can add significant amounts of value simply by doing an aesthetic or a cosmetic upgrade. It's not really enough in a very competitive and tough market. If you genuinely want to add 20, 30, 40% of a property's value, you really do need to be looking for those projects where you can actually add square footage, add habitable space. And it's simple maths. If you know you can convert a garage for, let's say, £50 a square foot, but it'll be worth £200 a square foot when you're done, well, you're making money. That's a pure gain. And that can come out in the wash when you recycle that property. So the first part of recycling capital is to look for projects where you can genuinely add value. The second consideration is that property values tend to go up over time. Now, I'm not a big believer in relying solely on capital appreciation, but I'm going to level with you. That is one of the ways that I've been able to scale my portfolio and businesses because over time my portfolio has matured. Values have increased. I've not actually done anything to them, but they've still gone up in value. And then I've been able to extract that value and recycle it out. Now, when you understand that, you can think a little more long term about your business model and you can have some different conversations with investors. All of a sudden, you might not have to find a solution to paying your investors back within 12 months. What if an investor is quite happy to stay in the deal for 24 months or 36 months? And part of your plan is to refinance at two years or at three years as opposed to year one. That's absolutely fine. And the best businesses are projecting their finances and cash requirements well into the future, not just six or 12 months ahead. So two different ways to recycle capital, but mastering exactly how to do this is a critical way. It's another pillar. And if you understand it, then you can master the ability to scale your HMO portfolio. The fourth pillar and the final one that I want to talk about in today's episode is HMO mortgages. Now, let's not underestimate the value of mortgages. The bank is prepared to pay us 
in most circumstances, up to 75%, even 80% of a property's value so that we can go and let it to tenants and cream off all of the income. So all we have to do is pay their mortgage debt back and the rest is ours. There's no other asset class in the world where you can do that. If you buy shares, well, if you want to borrow money to buy shares, you can't leverage it. If you want to buy a pound, you'll only get a pound's worth of shares. Whereas if you borrow a certain amount of money to buy a property, you can leverage that. You can use that as a 20% deposit and buy a property that's significantly more value. So we really shouldn't underestimate just how important mortgages are. And when we think about it like that, there are a few things that we really should make sure we're doing. First of all, we want to get ourselves into a super lendable position. We want the banks to be falling over themselves, throwing money at us. How good would that be if we had to turn down banks? Because we could just get multiple offers from everywhere. Your credit score needs to be that good. Your deal analysis, which often they'll ask for, needs to be that good. The whole deal prospect needs to be super strong. Banks will look at the area, they'll look at the tenant type, the demographic, your expected rental income. Of course, they're going to look at the price that you're paying and any plans that you've got for a refurbishment. You need to be super hot on this stuff. If you are, the bank will be comfortable. If they understand it, they'll be comfortable in lending you. And when a bank's comfortable, they'll lend for longer. They'll lend for cheaper. When a bank's uncomfortable, it's going to cost you more. And you're not going to be given generous timeframes. You're going to have to really work. You're going to have to sweat things out. So making sure that your credit history is squeaky clean, making sure that you really understand your deal and your numbers and the whole scenario is incredibly important. And then understanding the mortgages out there on offer. Now, you don't need to be a mortgage broker. That's what a mortgage broker is for. A mortgage broker is your eyes and ears on the ground when it comes to mortgage lending. But I like to really understand what's happening in the mortgage market at any point. I like to understand what a potential refinance could look like. I like to understand what things are going to cost me or could cost me. I'm thinking about interest rates and how that might affect HMO mortgages and the mortgages that I might be able to apply for. When might that change? Currently, things are incredibly cheap. The base rate is at rock bottom. It's very, very good to lend at the minute. Debt is cheap from the bank. That won't always be the case. So I'm always looking ahead and thinking, okay, what's going to happen when that changes? What's going to happen when that interest rate starts to increase? What's my plan of action then when all of a sudden I've got to start thinking about paying more to the bank? And the banks also like you to be in a good position to buy in the first instance. So particularly if you're buying something that needs a heavy refurbishment, if you can get yourself into a position where you don't need to borrow as much capital from the bank, you'll get a much better deal and it'll generally be a bit quicker to proceed. So for example, if you can get together 50% of the capital to buy a property, the bank is going to give you a much more favourable rate than if you need a 75% loan and then you need a refurbishment. They're going to want all of the evidence. And if you can demonstrate that actually there's a lot more fat in your deal, you've taken out some of the risk, you've taken away that risk from them, they're going to be much more comfortable. So understanding all of this stuff and what banks like and don't like is really important. They are your primary source of funding. So don't underestimate them. Don't underestimate the importance. Don't underestimate the importance of getting yourself into a position where you're seen as being a favourable client in their eyes. You want the bank's to be throwing themselves at you. So master this, master the art of being able to apply for HMO mortgages and access all the finance that you can. And you'll have mastered the fourth pillar of funding in your HMO business and it'll help you scale infinitely.
So there you go. The first pillar, knowing your numbers. The second pillar, the ability to raise private finance. The third pillar, recycling capital through your deals. And the fourth pillar, understanding HMO mortgage and being able to access them. I guarantee that if you understand all of that stuff and you can tap into them all at any point, financing your deals will no longer be the issue. Your new objective will just be finding the deals, figuring out the systems, employing staff, scaling up. That's what it's all about, building that portfolio. But if you don't prioritise this stuff and don't see and recognise the importance and don't commit to getting yourself in the right position with all of this, then unfortunately, you'll continue to have problems raising finance. You'll continue to have problems getting into a position to buy properties competitively. And the truth is, the HMO market is super competitive. You really need to be in a great position to buy, to proceed quickly. And it's doing all of this. It's having all of these four pillars in place that gives you that solid foundation to be able to move quickly, act on opportunities and secure and acquire the really good properties, the sorts of properties that give you really sustainable profits in your HMO portfolio or business. That's how I've done it. And I didn't start by understanding all of these pillars. I figured them out over the last 10 years. So actually, I'm giving away about 10 years worth of knowledge here. Only in the last five years did I really figure out the private finance bit. But my gosh, has it been powerful? It's been phenomenally powerful. I've raised millions of pounds for my business and the properties that we've bought. And it is not the most difficult thing that we do. In fact, I would say it's one of the more easy things that we now do as a business. And I guarantee that if you do all this stuff too, then you will be able to go and do it as well. I hope that's been an enjoyable episode. I'm really excited about the prospect of you going out and getting into a position to have cash at hand. You can buy anything you want. How good does that sound? Now, don't forget that inside the roadmap, there are courses and lessons on each one of these pillars. So if you want to know more about the detail of how to appraise and evaluate deals and how to interpret the numbers at the back end of a deal, then that lesson and that whole course, in fact, is waiting for you inside the HMO roadmap. If you want to know more about how to raise private finance, setting a fundraising objective, creating investor decks, building profile and brand and authority, then that whole course is waiting for you inside the HMO roadmap. Recycling capital. There are lessons about how to recycle capital and there are lessons about HMO mortgages and exactly how to get yourself in the right position to make sure the banks are happy to lend to you. And if you want more support and guidance, don't forget that myself and the community are over in Facebook. We're waiting for you. If you haven't already joined, come and check it out. Bring your questions, bring your experience because we want to see you there. and We want all of your experience as well. And it's an incredible place to ask questions freely and comfortably without being judged. And I guarantee that you'll find tons, tons, tons of support in there that'll help you on your way. That's it from me. Join me next week for another installment of the HMO podcast. 